Man, I've been coughing up a lung over here. Holy. Jeez, man. Peter, get it together. Too much swimming last week. You all right? Sorry, you say swimming? Well, baby swimming. Uh, yeah. That's <laughs> well, what was your class no, Did you do this outside? Is that what caused the cold? No, it's in a pool. <laughs> but like germs and shit, man. There's other kids like sneezing and stuff. Mm. And pee, obviously. Yeah, man. Peter, you... You've taken any notes for the lesson for yourself? Yeah, uh, blow bubbles and just splash around, baby. (laughs) (laughs) I think the last one's more so for you. What's going on, everybody? And welcome back to the Hoops Corner. I'm your host, Peter Tran, and on the line, just really feeling his age today. Josh Cohen, how you doing? I probably should have taken a load management day today. I'm feeling pretty tired right now. I mean, if I was Kawhi, I'd definitely sit ooh, out. Ooh. I got a good load management story for you after, but I'll tell, I'll get to it. The Bang and the Pain, our residential medical expert. This guy's this guy's just famous these days. Rajon Walia, how are you feeling? I'm doing good. I got to watch my language here because uh, we have some listeners in the professional realm here. So um, my credibility is on the line. We're always professional, Raj. It's okay. How do you NBA how do you feel about load management, Raj? As a as a residential medical expert here, you know what? I'm all about the rest. You know, uh, when it comes down to crunch time, you got to perform. So, got to rest up. But hey, if my money's on the line, I'm going to be playing. So, so if you if you had a guaranteed um, contract, you'd just milk load management, milk those rest days. Yeah, but if I got those bonuses, if I can push for one of those awards. Uh, all NBA, NBA MVP, you know, Defensive Player of the Year. I'm I'm gonna play. Now, how do you guys feel after you spend like two weeks away from ball or like any physical activity, and then you come back to it? Are you like, whoa, like you feeling real fresh? Your legs are great, like your lungs are strong, shots good, you know? No, I mean you might feel okay. I mean you're probably gonna be rusty in that moment, but afterwards the days after your hamstrings are definitely gonna hurt so i'm on team whatever else you want to call it the other side of this which is not load man i guess it's like 90s management where you just play every game i think i would go with that because you need to prepare your body for the playoffs right like you can't just go from resting all the time and then just jump in you're playing these like super intense games you're playing 40 minutes a night so I'm with a lot of these different like old school analysts and saying that these guys should be playing 70 plus games a year again and they should stop sitting back to backs because it's just, unless you're arriving at like 4 a.m. and you have no sleep, then I get it. But if you're arriving the night before and you get a day of rest in, why would you not be playing that night? Josh, Josh, how's your calf? You know, after yesterday, pretty solid. No complaints. Oh. Yesterday on shoot around? No, I Ooh, played yesterday. On, wow. Oh, wow. This guy, game time decision. Ooh. Yeah. yeah. Sure. I went from uh, doubtful to play to uh, playing yesterday. Massage so. that calf, man. Well. Don't mess around. Stretch it out. Yeah. I'm like Cat. You know, I came back a little bit early this week. So That's not coming back. Things are good. Hold on. Can we just... Come back tomorrow. Is he? Oh, this is coming yeah. back. This is coming out on Wednesday. So, uh... I guess we won't get to talk about him and Ant. Um, hey, I, I gotta respect Ant's hustle, you know. So I hope he's back. But 
I don't know, Josh, you're you're getting up there in age, so we'll see how much you're resting that body. That calf gets a bit tight. I'll, I'll expect you on the court now. We'll be playing back that clip. Hey, I was talking about athletes, okay? Hey. Like professional hey. athletes. <laughs> I'm not doing back-to-backs anymore myself because that just would not be a smart move at this point. Yeah, that's, that's not ideal. <laughs> also, Raj, you're never going to show up to that court. Let's be real. Yeah. Hey, I, I have Rush standards, one and you know, done. I don't play on uh, cement. One and done. I don't play on cement. The floor was good yesterday. The floor was what good. What did you do? Replace the, the cement with hardwood? <laughs> no, somebody actually cleaned it for once, and it was actually decent. You weren't sliding all over the place. Oh, it was nice. clean floors help. Who knew? Mm-hmm. I like it. I like unload management, Josh. Unload management <laughs> is what we'll call it from now on. Yes, there you go. Um. Can like we it. talk about Carl Anthony Towns returning to the Timberwolves after missing what seems to be almost the entire season? Like, he's played 21 games so far this year, right? So, when did he sustain his injury? Before the new year. I, I'm pretty confident in saying. And. Before they got Mike Connolly. Oh, way before that. That was like trade deadline. But before yeah. New Year's. Yep. And somehow, a lot of people seem to think that Carl Anthony Towns. Coming back now is exactly what the Timberwolves need to perform in the playoffs. And suddenly adding uh, a high-usage player, a high-volume shooter, a defensive liability to your already, like, struggling but sort of getting chemistry team of a bunch of, like, role players, right? Like, the team constructed now is a bunch of role players around Anthony Edwards. And then you're going to put in someone of Carl Anthony Towns' like, stature? This late into the season, like, I think this is beyond just, like, a trade deadline deal in the grand scheme of things, right? Like, it's a little late for it. Do you know what I mean? I'm not sure what you're arguing here, because getting back one of the best centers in the NBA... Is he? Is always Is he one of the best? Thing. Oh, come on, he's not. Man. He's not a top three center, that's for sure. He's not a top three center, but he's 100% top 10, and you can definitely argue top five. <laughs> is he top five? Come on. He, he, he could be. He's probably on the cusp of top five. One healthy? Yeah, I, I could agree with that. We've gone way too far in the other direction with Towns because of the talk about him in certain playoff games. Like, he was good in at least half of the playoff games that he's been in. He's, like, he's an All absolutely unbelievable offensive player. And this team lacks offense, right? Like, ever since they traded D'Angelo Russell, they've had trouble scoring besides the last game where they put up 140 because neither team decided to play any defense. Um, but overall, like, the Timberwolves have struggled um, in terms of scoring, and especially when Ant's been out besides last game. You basically have no scoring options out there, especially in the half court. You're relying on Mike Conley, who's been unreal the last two games, obviously, but he's 36 years old now. And they got him to be the table setter for these two amazing talents, right? So getting him back is a hundred percent a good thing. I don't know what the hell you're talking about. All right, Josh, I'm gonna I'm gonna impart some wisdom on you. It's not that Carl Anthony Towns makes the Timberwolves a worse team. It's the time it will take for him to integrate back into that team in terms of working with Mike Connolly, which he's never played with. Again, getting back up to the NBA speed, no matter how much practice that he's been participating in, um, it's not the same as a game situation. Um, in the amount of time it takes for the other players around Carl Anthony Towns to readjust to their new roles, 
it's going to take at least at least four or five games. And they may win a, a couple of those games, but they may end up being in closer games or losing a few of those other games, which they might have otherwise won. And I think the Timberwolves are a better team with Carl Anthony Towns on, on the court. But in the timing of this, I really doubt, and especially we have this big question mark about Ant as well, like how much he's going to play with that ankle injury. Is he going to be playing gingerly? Um, will he be as off as explosive right off the bat? We hope so, but I I strongly disagree. The timing of Cat coming back is going to be really problematic, and I don't expect Finch to to have him come off the bench. Like uh, he may end up playing 20, 25 minutes, but as a starter, and how is his minutes going to work with Rudy Gobert? Our team's going to try to exploit the matchup in terms of again. The Timberwolves playing probably two centers at one time. Like, I think it leaves them very vulnerable. And uh, I, I really think Minnesota will probably suffer. And hey, you got to make the playoffs before you can expect them to be at least productive. Okay, so are you arguing that it's better that he doesn't come back and they just go with the lineup that they currently have and try to make the playoffs yes. that way? I just think that, yeah, I think That's so. Crazy. I think That's crazy. What's the point? Then you don't have them in the playoffs, and you have zero chance of winning a Let playoff series. slow mo cook. Let slow mo slow pressurize that cooker. No, that, that didn't hit, eh? Hey. Damn. No. <laughs> it was too fast for us, Peter. You got to go real right. slow. Let's real slow. Cook, man. This team is, like, solid defensively right now. Why are you messing with it? Yeah, and, and again, looking at the games they play... In their next five, they play the Hawks. Again, a team that's on the cusp that has something to play for. The Warriors. That, that's a the good Kings. game to come back to, honestly. No, if no. you're going to come back and like get in the fold, like that's the perfect pickup game to come back to. No, absolutely. Like a team that plays absolutely no defense. But then you have the Warriors, the Kings, the Suns, the Lakers. Right? Those are, again, teams that have something to play for. They're teams that are trying to get back into their playoff push or try to make the play-in tournament for the Lakers like those aren't easy games and um, I I really expect Towns to not struggle but just have a period where he's gonna have to adapt so the timing of him coming back if he came back early March I'd be like great I think in the long run the Wolves will be better off I just think the timing of this like the Wolves need to make the playoffs or this trade that they did to dismantle their entire team for what you described as a role player and giving up their future has completely collapsed. Your number one seed may not even make the playoffs. So you're saying the Wolves need to make the playoffs and they need to potentially win the playoffs, but you're saying that Cat shouldn't come back. So does this team have a higher ceiling with Cat, especially if they make the playoffs, or does it have a higher ceiling with Torian Prince starting? Hey, if Torian Prince is shooting 100% for three, I'm taking Torian Prince all day. Yeah. But... Uh, but in all honesty, the answer to that question is pretty simple. Cat playing on this team gives them a higher ceiling. He's a very, very good player. But would I sacrifice him coming back at this critical juncture in the NBA before making the playoffs? I would rather him, I would rather Minnesota focus on the next four or five games, especially the next two or three, to see how they do. If they are able to win two out of the three, beat the Hawks, um, beat the Warriors or like at least get two out of the three wins in their next three, I would probably slowly introduce Cat into the lineup. I expect them to come in and start and 
them to lose to the Hawks, have some adjustment. Like, we'll come back in a week and we're going to see the the Timberwolves go 0-3 or 0-4. You just said it's a little bit late in the game for him to be coming back right now. And now you're saying that he should sit out the next two or three games and then come back if they potentially win a couple of them. What are we talking about here? They have a better chance of winning with him in the lineup because he's a really good player and that's less minutes for your crappier players. Right now, if he comes back and plays full time, which I expect the they expect him to do, I think a lot of the fans do. They're he's gonna be worse off, like or the team is gonna be worse off, and they have tougher matchups. Like after that five game stretch, they play the Trailblazers, the Nets, the Spurs, and the Pelicans. I rather have him slowly be introduced over the next couple of games and then play those last games. And if you can't win those games with Cat in your lineup, then so be it. You weren't gonna go far in the playoffs or probably win that play in game. But you want him to you, ramp up for the playoffs because you expect to make the playoffs, and then hopefully by the playoffs, he's actually able to play 30 minutes a game, right? Like, you need him playing minutes to ramp up a little bit. You can't send him out the next few games and be like, all right, go feast on the, the Pelicans right now. And they're the better Spurs. off with him. He's a really good player. Why would you send him at this point if he's ready? What are you going to tell him? I would say that like we want to ease you in. We don't want you to get re-injured, and we want you going healthy if we make the playoffs. Done. Yeah, but if he's ready to go, you got to just go with it. And they're better with him. I don't, I don't understand what we're talking about here. This doesn't make any sense to me. The timing of it. I'm, I'm not convinced. Yeah, the timing of it is yeah, really... Yeah, let's the... play Torian Prince and Nas Reed over Cat. Hold yeah, on. That makes a lot of sense. Do not besmirch Nas Reed, okay? Yeah, exactly. I love Nas Reed as much as any of us here. He's made a good career for himself. I do like Nas Reed, but come on, man. We're talking about Cat here. The guy averages like 25 and 10. Come on, Did he this year? Tell me Cat's numbers this year. Well, not this year because he played like 20 games at the wrong position. Yeah, and he's going to keep playing... How many games did I have left? Like 10 games in the wrong position now? Exactly. I I especially look at their their stretch of games. If If he was coming back against... The, the teams that they're going to play the last five games against, against, like I said, the, the Spurs, the Blazers, the Nets, um, the Pelicans, against those five, I would say, yeah, start him. But I think looking at their current schedule, I think that him in being introduced in those games is not a recipe for success for both the Timberwolves and also for Cat. I think he'll be playing against teams that are a little better and have more to play for. I guess we agree to disagree. I will take a top 20 to 30 player in my lineup versus having to play the current lineup that I have. I don't care if he's coming back after 50 games of being off. If he's ready to go, you put him in the lineup, you get him integrated as soon as possible, and your expectations of making the playoffs, you know, you hope that by the time the playoffs start, he's ramped up, ready to go, and you actually have any type of chance to make it out of the first round, depending on matchups. Whereas if you don't have them, you have zero chance. Is Cat a top five center? He's on the yeah, cusp. Like, I think it's somewhere arguable. between five to sure. seven. Yeah. I'd say most likely. Yeah. Yeah. Like there's definitely three guys like clear cut ahead of him. Yeah, Jokic, Embiid, and Jakob Pertl. <laughs> exactly. Don't forget you Bismarck. Penalize Towns because the team made a stupid trade. He's still a very, very good player. He's playing out of position. He is a center, right? Yeah, but but right now in a one one game or one on one game one season, 
would you rather have Towns or Brooke Lopez? Well, I mean, that's not a fair comparison because it depends what type of team you have. If you're Milwaukee, of course, you'd rather Brooke, right? But if you're a team where you need like a 1A or 2 um, for your team, then obviously you're going to take Towns. Towns is a better player than Brooke Lopez in terms of building around him. Like Brooke Lopez is a role player, right? But he's, he's a, a very, very good player. I think, I think the best comparison is like Bam Adebayo for that 1A or a 1B, 2A kind of positioning on a team. Yeah, but I would take Bam personally. Yeah, you like what you like. Bam can't shoot threes. You know what I mean? Yeah, like, but you like what you like at that point. It's just depending on how you want to build it. Cat plays one side of the ball. Also true. Like his rating offensively could be 99, but his defensive rating is like. You know, 50. some people say like the, some like people you, say Jokic only plays one side of the ball, and he's two-time MVP. Yeah, give me Jokic in the playoffs versus pretty much anybody. And uh, in terms of Bam, like Bam doesn't show up most of the playoffs anyway. Ooh, so what are we talking about? Ooh, ooh. Can you blame the team though? Could you blame the team? Like they don't use Bam. Like clearly, the offense runs through the guards. I don't know about that. I mean, there was that series against Milwaukee where they just gave him a 15-foot shot, and he just wasn't taking it. And then when he did, he bricked them all. Yeah. This year... He's expanded his game since then, This year, the team uh, Miami has built more so around Butler and Hero than in the past. Like, I think they've realized that Bam is not that go-to guy in a playoff series. Yeah, but but also Eric... But Eric Spolstra, historically, like, he doesn't play as much. Again, they haven't had that dominant big... Like uh, that big beast, like Embiid or anything. But historically, his teams have been mostly guard. And obviously, when they had LeBron, the wing. But his teams have been very they, guard. They had heavy. Hassan Whiteside, okay? <sighs> Some respect. Yeah. YMCA champ. <laughs> uh, that's good. Josh, give me a team that you're going to be looking at in the last couple of weeks. I mean, a team that or a player that's got a lot of pressure that has to really perform in the next couple of weeks. Other than Carl Anthony Towns, obviously, who is questionable for this game against the Hawks. He is not confirmed. Thank you very much. Questionable. It seems to be trending in the right direction with him and Ant, though. Looks like they're hopefully both going to be back tomorrow. That would be nice. Hopefully Um, Ant comes back. I mean, after that, like, his injury did not look good. It just seems no. like he really just wants to play, which I get. But uh, hopefully I he doesn't get it. re-injured. Especially no, for a for younger sure. guy, too. Like, I, I really enjoy that that dog mentality that Ant has. I think everybody loves Ant, though. No, for sure. To answer your question, can't. though, organizationally, I think it has to be the Dallas Mavericks. Because if, you know, if Kyrie... And he's in a walking boot after last game, which he said was precautionary, but... Who knows? He said that Dylan Brooks um, stepped on his big toe or his foot, and it re-injured. Um, hold on, hold on, hold on. Yo, Raj, is that a precautionary thing to wear a walking boot? Yeah, it could be. Like, if you've had an x-ray, came back negative, but they want to do an MRI um, to see if there's a bit more structural damage, um, it definitely could be. Um, it also could just be players' comfort as well. Like with the walking boot, you're putting less weight bearing just because the boot has a bit of height. So right. most people okay. uh, aren't. But yeah, like uh, the injury, obviously, as it happened, it looked like Dylan Brooks was pushed into uh, 
into Kyrie and Dylan Brooks's defense. Um, but uh, Davis Bertans couldn't set a screen properly. But um, yeah, like uh, Josh, I want you to continue about this uh, Mavericks talk because I'm all for it. Yeah, I mean, tomorrow's game against Golden State has massive um, implications, obviously. Um, Dallas is uh, half a game behind Golden State. Golden State's 37 and 36. Dallas is 36 and 36. And both Luka and Kyrie are questionable tomorrow. Um, but in terms of like the overall bigger picture, um, you know, if Kyrie continues to set games or they just don't continue to win or they stay in the play-in tournament and end up losing or even losing the first round and you know Kyrie's um, impending free agencies coming up if he ends up leaving they might be able to if they make a couple creative trades get enough cap space to potentially replace that spot and get a near max player but it's going to take a lot of work to be able to replace him so at this point if you're Dallas, you're really hoping that Kyrie shows up in a big way, especially in the playoffs, and you come to an agreement. In their case, hopefully that is short term. But this team is just not looking good right now. I mean, like <laughs> their defense is absolutely terrible, and they score a ton of points, obviously. So they're going to be a threat in the playoffs if they do make it, but they have to make it first. And right now it's not looking great. Yeah, they're sitting one game ahead of the... 11 spot and the the saving grace for the Mavericks if you just take a quick peek at their schedule is they probably have one of the more lenient teams uh lenient schedules on uh, compared to the rest of the teams that are on the bubble um they play Charlotte twice um they have games against Chicago San Antonio late in season um they also play Indiana so they definitely have some winnable games but if you don't have one of those stars playing um they're going to be in hot water and I know we're talking a bit about offseason in terms of if Kyrie is going to get re-signed. He's not going to take a short-term contract. I think he knows that he's trying to secure the bag. One more big contract, at least. Um, we're probably looking at something in the four-year range. And um, I, I think the Mavericks obviously won't make the playoffs. I, I, I think they probably need to start Christian Wood or play him a little more. But Jason Kidd like, clearly doesn't like Wood and... He doesn't play any defense, but the Mavs aren't good defensively. So play to your strengths. Like they put up points. Christian Wood offers them a bit more scoring, a bit more versatility. Um, and uh, I think they would probably benefit with playing him a bit more minutes if he's not starting, obviously. And um, and what's the timetable for Luca's return? He's questionable tomorrow. Yeah, so hopefully soon. And if he doesn't play against the Warriors, you expect him hopefully to play in the last nine or ten games. Um, and, uh, yeah, I don't know if they're going to do damage. I think they just don't play defense and that's not a good recipe in the playoffs. Like the game slows down, like you have to be able to score in the half court and obviously they have two great scorers, but you got to play some defense and they're just porous on defense. How do they go from being one of the best defensive teams like two years ago to being like bottom tier defensively? Last year, I think they were one of the best defensive. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, they lost their best wing. That's That's been huge, obviously. And then Kleba has been out most of the year as well. So they basically lost their two best defensive players most of the year. And he's slowly coming back from his injury. Um, he's been on and off, obviously, since he's come back. Uh, but, you know, one guy can't save the entire team, obviously. And Josh Green has been pretty solid since he started playing. Uh, and starting, you know, uh, playing in the starting lineup. Um, but 
he's also been hit or miss when both of those guys are in the lineup with him. Um, and off their bench, they just have absolutely no defense, obviously, like you mentioned. And they're still starting Dwight Powell, which, you know, after so many years, just doesn't make any sense. Like, the guy's a third stringer. <laughs> Gotta sell those tickets to the Canadian fans. We, we so. love ourselves some Josh Powell. <laughs> Josh Powell, huh? Dwight Powell. <laughs> Josh Powell. Isn't Josh Powell Josh out of Green. the league? Yeah, I think he was on the Mavericks before, too. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, and Josh Green is their rookie, not rookie, second, third year player? I think he's third, third year, year. Yeah, yeah, okay, okay. All these guys, all you J names, they're all the same, man. Sorry. Yeah, Mavericks got, uh, they got some work to do, man. But even if, say they play Christian Wood, say they get a little bit more offense, is that really going to be the solution to all your problems? Because inevitably, it's whether they the gamble on Kyrie works out for the summer, right? Like, whether he wants to stay this year or if he's going to peace out like everywhere else that he's gone to. I think it's really dependent on if he plays in the last few games, obviously, and then if they actually do make the playoffs, if he plays in the playoffs and how he plays in the playoffs. Because I think the next however many amount of games that they're going to play until the right, you know, the end of their season is going to determine how many years he gets. So I think if he doesn't play in the remainder of the games or the majority of the remainder of the games for them, I think that he's not going to end up getting more than two years from anybody because he's obviously just not reliable in general. But if he shows out and actually plays really well and plays all these games through injury and they face a team like the Grizzlies or the Kings in round one, they're going to be a favorite in that series. So if they can win... You know, one series or potentially two, depending on who they get in the second round. If that was their first round matchup and they end up winning, then Kyrie end up could end up you know getting a four year contract, and then you know, good luck with that. <laughs> Anyone tying themselves to Kyrie for more than like a year or two is just—you think you'd learn by now, you know? That's all I'm gonna say. You think you'd learn after Cleveland, after he went to Boston and said he like he'll be so honored if they'll have him goes to Brooklyn we all know how that ended up it's just can you really rely on somebody like that for more than a year or two at a time even this year he's not really saying that he's committed to to Dallas either right he's committed to the money yeah yeah like see you in Washington they don't have money that's the thing right like a lot of the teams in the offseason that have money aren't teams that are going to be able or they're going to want to sign him because they're all rebuilding teams for the most part um, and they just want to probably sign shorter-term guys that are not going to poison their team. So his best option is to get re-signed in Dallas and on a longer-term contract because nobody else can give him that kind of money unless the Lakers decide to trade a bunch of guys or let a bunch of guys go and then sign him as a third guy long-term, which I just can't see happening at this point. It's Dallas or nothing for him for a long-term contract, I think. It's going to be Charlotte. Uh, yeah, Charlotte could. LaMelo and Kyrie? Wow. <laughs> team no defense. Yeah, yeah. hell yeah. That's why MJ's that. trying to sell the team. Oh, maybe MJ knows something. <laughs> yeah. Part um, of the Illuminati himself. Yeah, Peter asked me the question, which team do I think is on the rise? Or has the, some question marks about the next 10 or 11 games? That's a good thing about you, Raj. I don't need to tee you up anymore. You can just do this all yourself. You know what? I'm being proactive, just like uh, the OKC Thunder, because this team in the last, what, 
eight or nine games have really turned it up. They had a, a pretty bad stretch after the All-Star game. Um, they, I think, lost five straight. But since then, they've played a lot of teams in the in the West that have been fringe playoff teams or playoff teams. Um, they played the, the Suns. And again, um, they, they beat the Suns. They lost to the Suns. But they beat the Warriors, the Jazz twice. Um, beat up on the Pelicans. Like, they've had some pretty good wins. And against some teams that are, I've actually been desperate for uh, some wins as well. And I think this team just plays really hard. And they play all four quarters. They have young players that are really athletic. Um, and I think this Shea that has been in hibernation for the last two years is coming out in full force. Um, and they're a pleasure to watch. I think they really have a good chance of making this play-in tournament. I think we were all joking, like, when are they going to fall off? When are they going to fall off? And out of really the three teams that I think are probably looking to... Two two of which will probably make the playoffs or play-in tournament, I think OKC's almost, based off their schedule, a lock, barring any injuries. They have some winnable games in the next four or five, and as long as... They win probably five games. I think they probably will have enough wins to make the playoffs. I think you'll probably, or play in tournament, you'll probably need to win somewhere around 40, 40, 41 games and get close to 500. And they're right there. So they're fun to watch. Shea's doing his thing. Um, And uh, they have multiple guys that can show up on any given night. With OKC, um, I think they're definitely a shoe in for the play-in, but it's not necessarily because of their schedule. It's mostly because Utah is trying so hard to lose right now. And I think ultimately they are going to be successful in doing so. They're just going to keep sitting guys until they finally figure out the right formula for how to lose <laughs> these games. Because, <laughs> uh, you know, they've obviously sat Colin Sexton for the last, I mean, since the All-Star break, obviously. Clarkson sitting out with an apparent finger injury, even though there's been no news about it being potentially broken. He's just sitting out because, you know, they're obviously trying to lose. Last game, they sat out Lowry thinking that, uh, you know, sitting Markinen against the Kings would be an easy formula for them to lose the game. But of course, Chris Dunn comes off the bench and gives him 20 and 10. So <laughs> wild. Chris Dunn in 2023 also. Wild. I know I, I had to blink I'm like wow like is he actually playing like 26 or 28 minutes or whatever he played good for him yeah I mean whoever they sit out a guy just comes in and you know replaces that production which is pretty impressive I mean their, their coaching is too good for what they're trying to do right now honestly um, but yeah in terms of OKC like it's, it's just fun to watch teams that try to do things differently and they've gone sort of in the new school direction in terms of playing small but a lot of the stuff they run on offense is, like, really interesting. Like, they run a lot of, like, one-two pick-and-roll with um, SGA and Josh Giddy, where they'll run, you know, with SGA as the lead ball handler and Giddy rolling the basket. Then they'll invert that and have SGA go to the basket on the roll, and he's basically unstoppable anywhere inside of the paint area, obviously. Um, and then off the bench, they just have a bunch of gunners. I mean, Isaiah Joe has been unreal this year. Uh, Wiggins has been pretty solid for them over the course of the second half of the season. And yeah, I mean, like, it's too bad that Kenrich Williams is out the rest of the year because him as a small ball five, like, they were killing in that, in that lineup. And just looking forward to next year where they get Chet Holmgren back and they can try out a lot of different stuff and they'll hopefully sign a couple of veterans and be able to take off from there. But, uh, this year, they're going to be a tough out in the playing game because they can score a lot of points and they, 
they run out a lot of lineups that gave a lot of teams problems. Yeah, their versatility is, I think, their their key point. Like, it's it's hard just to have a game plan be like, okay, well, like obviously Shea being the focal point, but on any given night, their two, three, four guys can be really anyone. Um, and you have two good playmakers with the ball and Giddy and Che, and then you have a defensive like stud and Dort who probably has had like a quieter year defensively compared to the past, but again, an elite on ball defender. Um, they have good wing depth. They have good young guys crashing the boards, um, players that are going to come on fresh, not worried about injuries or, um, worried about like, um, in terms of if they're starting or not, they're just trying to play ball and, um, yeah, I, I think OKC is the team that I really expect them to to make it in terms of the play-in game. And I do think I agree with you. The Jazz have, in the last two games, especially against the Celtics and Sacramento, with really no names, have pulled out some great wins. Um, but again, they have a pretty tough schedule in the next 10-11. And I do expect them to sit a lot of players. So I, I do expect them to fall off. The interesting thing it will come down to OKC and the Lakers, really, I think. Um, and if Minnesota does want to play Towns like 25 minutes, 30 minutes a game, then maybe they're in that little hunt for two of the three play-in spots. Who do you think has the best field goal percentage on the Thunder right now? Like qualifies? Uh, yeah. I mean, SGA is a good bet, honestly. <laughs> Uh, that is a good bet. Else? It's wrong, but it's a good idea. Jalen the one guy Williams. we haven't talked about. Yeah, I was gonna say it could be Jalen Williams. <laughs> yeah, twenty-one year old, six foot what? Six foot four, six foot five, multi-positional rookie who seems to play literally one through five for this team, and is quietly putting on, if not like a, a rookie of the year candidacy. Something really close to it. Like, I know since beginning of the year, we've always said that Paolo Bancaro has it locked up, blah, 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 blah. But, you know, any other year, Jalen Williams would be, like, right up there in the conversation, man. This kid is incredible. He's averaging 14 and 4. And, like, you know, he's, like, the perfect, perfect type of player for this team. He just fits in so well. And he does all the little things that they need. He rolls when he needs to roll. He hits open shots. He attacks the rim. And he gets to the line. I mean, he's like, he's set already at 21 years old. Like, he's definitely, like, especially with Bancaro having a poor shooting slump um, really after the All-Star break, like, he's definitely made it a little more of a conversation for Rookie of the Year. Um, obviously, it'd still take um, Bancaro, but um, he's up there. Like, he's made impact. Um, and really, like, he's had a, a stretch... Um, I think in the last like six or seven games, he's averaged like 25 points per game. Not bad for a rookie. Yeah, he's yeah I think he's putting up like it. 50, 40, 90 over the course of his last 30 plus games. And Jesus. He's, he seems to be getting bigger throughout the season too. Like I looked at him, you know, just watching him play like the last couple of games, like he looks really big, whereas at the start of the year, he didn't look as as I guess thick as he does right now, honestly. Like he bounces off people already. He's a rookie. He's already got like an NBA body. 
Um, so it's been really impressive to watch him play, obviously. And now they have three really good ball handlers. Um, all, all three guys need to improve their three-point shooting, obviously. But with the way they play and like the driving kick style and always playing downhill, it's a really hard playing style to play against, like I mentioned. So um, they definitely have something. They're cooking up something in OKC, and it's it might be like a real big long-term play for them. Is the Rock there? Is he is he cooking up something? Can you smell what Jalen Williams is cooking? <laughs> it's probably some barbecue out in OKC. <laughs> oh, I, I don't doubt it. I don't doubt it. And it's a good call, Raj. I, OKC not very talked about this year, but they are they are really fun to watch. And and they've they've also given a lot of the best teams really good competitive games like. You don't have to worry about load management. I know in the past they've had Shea sitting out um, for seasons at a time, but this year they're just they're playing basketball and their guys are available. And obviously, like you mentioned, uh, Ken Rich with the injury, but overall pretty healthy, pretty fun, exciting young team. Um, not much pressure either. So hey, you know what? It'll be fun to watch them in the play-in. Do we actually want to see the Lakers in the play-in, or is it just like? Absolutely. Yes. I want to see you the do? Lakers in the plan. Yes. Really? Yeah. Would you rather watch, watch Utah or the Lakers? Because that's what your choices are right now. It's Utah, uh, it's OKC, it's the Lakers, and then maybe Dallas if they drop. Or Minnesota. Or Minnesota. Like what? Or, or Minnesota, Golden State. Yeah. All these teams yeah. are so close to each other. Um, yeah. But realistically, do you enjoy watching the Lakers? I enjoy watching I, this current Utah team. Utah without Colin Sexton and without Jordan Clarkson more than I enjoy watching the Lakers. They're definitely funner because there's just an element of what is going on. But with the Lakers, I think you, if they make, if they make the play on, they, with LeBron hopefully coming back, obviously there's mixed reports of if he's going to make it at the end of the regular season or plan. But I expect if there is a playing game and it's close, he will play. Um, and with LeBron, you have a chance to win any game. And this is coming from, uh, a big LeBron doubter to say the least. Um, but you have a chance to win any game and in a series, it would be fun to watch them play. Like, uh, whether they're the eight seed, seven seed, like I would love them to, to go against the Kings or, um, if they were the seven seed or play the, the Nuggets um, I, I just think it's more entertaining than watching a Utah team, which, again, has a lot of young, promising players. But if that Utah team made it in the somehow in the playoffs, you would be expecting them to win one, maybe two games if they're lucky. Um, I, would be, I would expect them to win zero games. Yeah, like, fine. You would expect them to win one if they're lucky. Right? And that's maybe if a gentleman sweep. But with the Lakers... With LeBron coming back, they have a bit more shooting. Like, remember, I think he's only played like four or five games with his current uh, lineup of D'Angelo Russell um, with Beasley shooting as well. Like, it, it'd be interesting. They have a, a new look. So, um, again, more firepower. I want to see more. I just want to see better matchups in the NBA. So, got to choose the Lakers here. It's better for the NBA to see LeBron in a high leverage game. Either way, either love the Lakers or you don't. Obviously, I'm I'm not a fan of the Lakers, and I would much rather see the Lakers in a play-in game and get crushed by OKC or something like that. That would be unreal. Or they make <laughs> I the playoffs and then Jokic takes care of them. Either way, I'm happy. 
All right, you've convinced me. Uh, you've convinced me. Over, maybe over the jazz of, of any of these current play-in teams. No, but I don't I want them see... to actually win. I don't want them in the playoffs. That's all I'm getting at. Oh, I want to see them in the playoffs. I want to see them play Denver, and I want to see all the analysts take the Lakers, and then the Nuggets just sweep them. That would be so fun. Hey, I think they could give the Nuggets some problems. Like, not like uh, as in, as in too, they huh? might go five or six games. Like, I don't expect a sweep. Rajan A. Smith over here. Jesus yeah. Christ, man. I'm not saying, I'm not choosing the Lakers. I'm just saying it might go. I would say the average would be five games and maybe a six, depending on um, the outcome of a very close game. Put your balls on the table and pick them, you coward. Oh, really? Yeah. <laughs> That's for it my boss. Hypothetical. <laughs> Rajan Perkins yeah. over here. Oh, wow. Be yeah. honored. Yeah, Perk probably thinks LeBron should be MVP. Or Austin Reeves. Austin Reeves. <laughs> that guy's um, a player, by the way. He's, he's looking pretty good. Pretty, yeah. pretty good. But we he also thought Taylor Horton Tucker was a player, right? I never thought Taylor Horton Tucker no, was a player. No, 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 no. You can't, you can't compare the two. One guy is actually impacting winning on what's now a sort of quasi-winning team and leading the team to victories. Like, Taylor Horton Tucker had a couple of good games, and he put up, like, huge numbers in, like, four games, and the Lakers missed the playoffs that year. Like, who cares? He sucks. <laughs> He's fat, by the way. Like, how? He must be the fattest player in the NBA. Oh my god. That I agree with. He's there was there another player sure. that I saw the other day that was like super fat too, but I can't remember who it was. Is it Dylan oh Brooks that you're thinking of? <laughs> Dylan Brooks is pretty fat too, but Taylor Horton Tucker is like next level. Oh, it's yep. the guy from Houston. Uh, Deshaun Nix. I'm not sure if you've oh, ever Nix seen him. Is, that's a big boy right there. He's a big boy, yeah, I've seen him. Yo, know, him and Horton a... Tucker like eat at the same buffets, man. Oh my goodness. <laughs> no, I think Deshaun Nix is like a big boy like... Uh, well, who's that dude in Memphis? David Roddy? Is that his name? Yeah, but he's like he's like muscular fat. Like you know those types where like they they were fat, but then they had the muscle over top. Like he's he's just thick, you know. Whereas those guys are just fat. There's a big difference. There's With muscle Zion. fat and there's fat. And Taylor Horton Tucker oh and Deshaun Nix are fat. With Zion, I'm not Zion. Well, he's he's somewhere in between the two. Yeah, Speaking yeah, of, in between, eh? I but love how Luka. we just disregard. <laughs> I love Luka's how we disregarded bad. the uh, the Pelicans. Yeah, the Pelicans are trash, man. They're not going anywhere. This whole reliance on Zion, a healthy Zion, somehow coming into this team. Come on, you should know better. It's a myth. It's a myth. You should never you should never trust him to be healthy. Same way you should never trust Carl Anthony Towns or Anthony Davis to be healthy for a full year. Mm-hmm. Honestly, mm-hmm. it's it's really too bad because they actually have like two high level potential playoff players if they were actually ever healthy, and they have a pretty good roster around them. So if they were actually ever healthy, like that team could go places. But they got a young team though; they still have like a long time. Let's be real. Yeah, they still like four more years to miss the playoffs. Ouch! What do you mean? <laughs> four more years to miss the playoffs? Oh my goodness! I take over here. Uh, Josh, you got any stats corner? All right, so in terms of Stats Corner, um, we can just do an efficiency check-in for the last 10 games. Uh, From what you've seen around the NBA in terms of offense, 
Who do you think are the best teams in terms of efficiency on the offensive side of the ball in the last 10 games? Milwaukee. Yeah. Yep, number five at 118.9 points per 100. Oh, the Sacramento Queens. Always in the top five, 121.7. Best offense in history, man. Mm Mm-hmm. What about the 76ers? Yeah, that was the main reason why I brought this up. They're 125.9, and they have played some soft competition, but uh, they've been going off lately. Yeah, and that's with Embiid sitting, too, like uh, the fourth quarter of many games. It's true. Because they don't need them. And then you have uh, two teams that are on the brink of being in the play in the East. Brooklyn? Uh, no. Further down. The Chicago Bulls. Surprisingly, yes. They've been complete trash on offense the entire year until the last 10 games, which is very odd. Uh, But they're at 119.2 points per 100 possessions. They've been a really good defensive team this year, which is very weird. Patrick Beverly. Nobody wants to hear him (laughs) yelling at them. I guess so. <laughs> and the last team is the Indiana Pacers. I'm not going to make you guess about that. It doesn't matter. They suck. Yeah. TJ McConnell. I like TJ McConnell. Not going to lie. Shooting 52% from the field this year. He's pretty good. He always does. Because he doesn't he shoot just... anything but mid-range, mid-rangers. Like those 10-foot jumpers. Every team could use a TJ McConnell. Like as their ninth or 10th guy. Or their tenth, ninth or 10th guy. Yeah. I said the Indiana Pacers use him as like their seventh guy. <laughs> as their starter. <laughs> uh, that's pretty much it for me this week. Wow. What Light a... work. I mean, I can, is, uh... so- I can pull something else up if you'd like. If you want to wait no, for a no. second. But... You're, you're load managing us for the stats. I like it. I'll come back stronger next week. I, I hope so. If you're going to load manage, do it right, man. Don't come back and do this half-ass shit like Carl Anthony Towns. Oh, I got yeah, something man. else, actually. I got a good one. Oh, my God. Let's hear just it. Quickly, don't just fail. quickly. Don't don't fail us now, Josh. Only 13 players used three-plus post-up possessions per game. Uh, the least since tracking data started in 15-16, 2015-2016. Just in general, can you guess from 16, 2016 all the way up to 2020... How many players use three plus post up possessions per game? So in 2016, what do you think the number was? So did you say now is the least since then? Yeah. Now is the least at 13, 13 players plus. using three plus post up possessions per game. 13, okay. So what okay, do you so think it was in 2016? I would say 34. Uh, I was going to say 30, so. You're both close. 27. Okay. And then since that point, 2017, also 27, 18, 23, 19, 24, 2020, 20, 21, 19, 2022 is 16. Now it's gone down to 13. So Jeez. things are changing. Then it's going to be strictly Embiid pretty and much. <laughs> it's Embiid yeah, and Jokic, right? Oh, and Sabonis. Sabonis loves that post-up game. Oh, yeah. Hey, b- by the way, Sabonis is ahead of Cat as a center. 
I mean, sure, right now, but you put Cad in that offense, oof. Yeah, nice. he's gonna be injured. He's gonna be no, injured. Cat, not that <laughs> offense. Cat and that offense would not work. Cat can't no, pass as a bonus can. Yeah, man. you need a playmaker. Like going back Josh, to the top five don't centers, look like that. Yeah, no, don't I'm give just... side eye. The top five centers <laughs> are are uh, clearly it's in, in whatever order you want to put them. Embiid, Jokic, Giannis at the top, and then you have Sabonis. Then you have Bam, and then you can throw in Cat maybe there. Yeah, I mean, if you count Giannis as a center, yeah. Yeah. Otherwise, you're looking at Miles Turner or Jalen Duran. Huh? Maybe Dwight James Powell Wiseman. makes this list. Ooh, James Wiseman is unleashed. Unleashed. <laughs> Averaging is what, like 11 points per game or something? AD- Anthony Davis is a center. Yeah, yeah, you know. I'd rather have hey. AD than Carl Anthony Towns, that's for sure. James Wiseman went 10 for 13 against your uh, great center in Miami over there. Yeah, Wiseman's actually good. He's uh, Now that he's actually getting touches and... He's the Marco Fultz. Yeah. Okay, no, no. Don't be smirched Markel Fultz like that. Don't compare the two. It's not even close. (laughs) What do you mean? A player that was in the wrong situation, didn't get an opportunity, a lot of pressure, didn't perform, went to another team, is now playing well. That could be James Wiseman. Yeah, but Wiseman still sucks right now, whereas Markel Fultz is actually a pretty good player right now. Give him a couple but of Markel years. But Markel Fultz sucked after he got traded to Orlando for a little bit. And like, what? It's been Wiseman's 13th game? 14th max? Hey, you don't got to argue with me. I like James Wiseman, but he still <laughs> sucks right now. So don't let the numbers fool you. I'm done with you, Josh. Till next week. <laughs> also, Ivica Zubac. Thank you very much. <laughs> 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 no, that I couldn't sneak that one in. Okay. Well, I'm going to call it here while I'm still mildly ahead. I want to thank everyone for listening. Please remember to rate and, and subscribe. We're on iTunes. We're on Spotify. Five-star reviews. Leave those positive comments, please. We are on Instagram, Twitter. Raj, we're on your favorite TikTok now. Josh, you can find us on YouTube Shorts. Yeah? Yeah? YouTube? You still use YouTube, don't you? Yeah, I use YouTube, but there's no chance I'm downloading TikTok, so. Yeah, that's why I said YouTube Shorts, man. It's all for you. Doing it just for you to to check. I'm going to have one subscriber, and it's going to be Jay Cohen. I'm not trying to get spied on on TikTok, okay? You get spied on by all of these companies, man. We'll save that for off the air, but they're all watching you. Sorry. Yes. Zoom is selling all this information right now. And until (laughs) next time, peace. (laughs) 